Welcome back to PHM Experience, the podcast. This week, we have a sermon from our very own Bishop Duane L. Bull called Endure to the End. We know that you're going to be blessed by this podcast. So when you're done, share it with a friend. Now it's time for the message. Resilience is a word that God gave me today, and um, I want to share the definition of that word with you. The power or ability to return to the original form, position after being bent, compressed, or stretched. Elasticity. My God, resilience. And so I understand that many of us have been uh, (laughs) uh, bent and twisted and compressed and stretched. Um, and beyond our norm, but God said there's a resilience that's in the body of Christ. And we're going to have, we have the power and the ability to return to the original form in position. And so let's, let's begin to believe God, amen, in this season, because it's important that the church, the body of Christ, maintain, maintains the integrity of their faith. I, we have emotions and feelings just like everyone else. Amen. We're human, but we also are spiritual beings also. And we have a, amen, we're not just 100% human. The reality of it is, is that our flesh is only a third of who we are. Uh, we are. We are spirit, soul, and body. And so this flesh is only a third of us. The really, the eternal part of us is two thirds. Amen. Our soul is forever. Our spirit is forever. Amen. This flesh is only temporary, only for this dimension of time and of life. Amen. And so um, the thing that causes us resilience as believers, the, the reason why we have the power to return to our original form and position is because we have faith. Now, faith is not something from the flesh. Faith comes from the spirit realm. We have faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we have an understanding through our relationship with God that, amen, we live this life only to prepare ourselves for our eternity. And so we must believe in this gospel. We must believe in our faith because it's going to give us the ability to overcome the obstacles and the challenges of life. As I've been studying and going over the word of God, I began to realize that most of the texts and the stories, uh, especially from the Old Testament, the reason why as a, a, a minister, as a speaker, as someone who is sharing with you the word of God, I normally want to present to you an impossible or a very challenging situation that someone else has believed God for. And through that challenging situation, through the scripture, I want to leave you with hope and inspiration to believe that no matter what you go through, just like God did it for them, he can do it for you. And so as I'm reading through the Bible, I think that many times we have not put ourselves in the shoes of the characters that we have preached and sung about and talked about from Sunday schools to Bible studies to morning services, when you reflect and you think about the resilience 
of the children of Israel and how they were in captive for 400 years. Think about that. 400 years captive slaves being indentured servants, being oppressed as a people for 400 years, and yet they maintained a belief and a faith in Jehovah God to the point where they cried out to God, amen, to the place where God had to raise up a deliverer. But think about it, 400 years went by before a deliverer was raised up. Then there's other scriptures where Israelites were imprisoned, amen, and captivated their whole cities were burned down and and families were destroyed and and all of their settlements and farms taken over and they were brought into babylon for 70 years because of course by scripture they served and worship other gods we need to take notes from the stories of old because god is really the same god he never changes so it's important that you understand that for 70 years the children of israel were seized now this is not making you shout this is not making you run around the church, but this is showing you the footprints of God and how we have to now take notes of the past so we can now, amen, predict our future. And so for 70 years, they're in siege by the enemy until God raises up a deliverer and brings them out of that bondage and resettles them back. And so it's all through the Bible. We read how the, the uh, oppressions of, of those who are standing on the word of God, we hear about the Daniels and the Shadrachs and the and Meshach and the Abednego. We, they're standing on the word of God, but yet for their stand, they come under all this arduous pressure and challenging situations, but the resilience of them, how they maintained their faith. It would have been easy for the Hebrew boys just to eat the king's meat and to blend in, just to get along with everybody. They were far from home. No one from the synagogue was watching them. Amen. They were seemingly separated from the rest of their family and people. So they could have just got along with everybody else, didn't cause any change. Yet they maintained their faith in their dietary belief, amen, based on God. It's interesting how Daniel had a position in the cabinet, but he was a prisoner, but yet he still kept his devotion unto God. It's interesting that even in this day and time, many people are imprisoned by their circumstances or situation, but Daniel was teaching us that you can still maintain your devotion to God. Sometimes we say, well, when things get better, I'll get better. Amen. When I get my money, then, I, then I'll start tithing and giving. When I, when I get my husband or my wife, then I'll live holy. But you know what? You got to understand, amen, there, every, all through the Bible, there were people in challenging circumstances that made an intentional, resilient decision to maintain the position they had with God. What it comes down to, and many times in this day and time, I've heard it through the church, I've heard it in my families, I've heard it through interacting with other people. People say things like, the devil made me do it. Amen. In other words, passing the responsibility of your actions on somebody else. But the truth of the matter is, God has given everyone a will. He's given everyone a conscience. We all have a decision that we can make to do good or evil. It is our responsibility. Now, we understand Satan is a wonderful seducer. He's a wonderful encourager to do wrong. But at the end of the day, it's our will that has to shift and say, I'm going to do it. Amen. Yes, yes, Satan uh, offered and um, beguiled Eve to eat the fruit, but Eve went down to the tree, picked the fruit, and put it in her mouth. Amen. Satan didn't bring the fruit, amen, and, and slip it into her drink. Amen. She intentionally changed 
her mind and went and carried out the suggestion of Satan. Satan is always going to suggest something evil. He's always going to suggest for you to deny Christ. He's always going to suggest for you, amen, to give up. He's always going to suggest for you to lose hope. But the ultimate end part of all of that is your decision. Amen. You have to learn and I have to learn, amen, to cast down every vain imagination and bring every thought under the obedience of Christ. We have to be resilient and understand that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. We must understand. He didn't say that weapons weren't going to be formed. He said they weren't going to prosper. And so there's going to be challenges for the best of us. I don't know about you, but I've had my days. I'm saying, Lord, I'm paying my tithes. I'm giving my offerings. I'm living as best I can. I love my wife. I love my children. I go to work every day. I'm a good citizen. Why is this happening to me? Why can't I get a break? I don't know if you've ever had one of those days where you just kind of felt sorry for yourself and you just wanted, amen, to get a little uh, pity, amen, a little, a little pity. I had a pity party, amen. You know, believers, you know, we can have pity parties too. Amen. But you got to be like David. And David brings us up and encourages us that when David's house got burned down, his children got seized. Amen. His men, all of his children and, and wives got seized and they left where he was living in shambles. David was down also, but David teaches us in that moment, he went, he put on his prayer cloth, he went into the chamber with God, he began to seek the face of God, and he came out of that prayer, glory to God, he could have went and got a drink. Come on. He could have went, amen, and start beating, 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 beating himself up. He could have committed suicide, but he chose in the midst of that tough moment to go and pray. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Think about the resilience. It's not, amen, serving God is not about avoiding trouble. Serving God is having the ability to get through the trouble that we can't avoid. Come on. Amen. It's important in this season that you understand your faith is not something that's going to protect you from everything that you go through. Your faith is going to be something that gets you through what you go through. We must maintain our faith in this season. We must be resilient. We must be a people that understand that even though we get bent out of shape, even though we get oppressed and compressed and stretched out, that God has given us the ability to get back into form and return to our original position as the dictionary.com says. We are a people that are resilient. Oh, glory to God. The Bible says, I will press toward the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. There is a time in a season that we must press, and I encourage you, this is pressing time. This is a time when your emotions are not going to match up with your situation. I don't feel like God is with me. I don't feel the presence of God. I don't feel spiritual. I don't feel like I'm in the, in the will of God. It doesn't matter how you feel. You got to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you've been born again. You've got to know that the spirit of God is still upon your life. You've got to know that the same anointing that was on your life when people were running around the church is the same anointing when you're sitting in your room and it's dark and it feels like you're in the whole world all by yourself. The same God promised you he'll never leave you nor forsake you. My God, I believe just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not present. Just because God is quiet doesn't mean God is not there. Come on, God may not be saying a lot, but he is still moving in the background for our glory, for his glory. Oh, the race is not given to 
the swift for the battle to the strong, but they that endure to the end. I got a couple of scriptures here about endurance. Amen. I mean, there's going to come a time, y'all, amen, that amen, part of the miracle is just lasting through the night. I was sharing with one of the brothers, if you think about some of the miracles that are in the Bible, amen, what was so amazing about Daniel's miracle? Think about it. What was so amazing about Daniel's miracle? Daniel prayed three times a day. He got snatched up, dragged off, thrown into the lion's den, a bunch of hungry lions, and here's the miracle. Y'all ready for it? The miracle was he lasted through the night. Come on. Sometimes the miracle is that you lasted through the night. Sometimes the miracle is that you lasted through a thing that you weren't supposed to last through. Sometimes God has extended your years and extended your life. Amen. Some of you look at your marriage. Amen. You can remember some times that you were on your way to divorce court, that y'all were done. But God, the miracle is that y'all lasted another five years. Look, ten years later, y'all are still married today. That's the miracle. huh? It's not that you did a cartwheel and that the sun turned colors. It was that you lasted the night. Amen. When's the last time? And we got scripture to back it up. He says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Miracles. Amen. The miracle of Daniel is that he was in an impossible position. But Daniel, check it out. While he was getting arrested, he was praying. When he got thrown into the lion's den, I just believe he had nothing else to do but pray. Glory to God. Because if, check this out, while he was in the lion's den, I believe that Daniel was in that position with no fear. Because one thing you learn about predators is that they can pick up on your fear. And the thing about when a dog or any kind of predator fix, it fixes that you got fear, amen, they attack you. But some kind of way there was a peace in the midst of Daniel's situation that caused even the animals that are around him to have peace, amen, even to the night. Now we can prove what we're saying because in the morning the king, amen, oh, knocked on the door that he put Daniel into and cried, said, Daniel, are you still alive? The king couldn't get no sleep, amen, the whole night because he was concerned about Daniel. But Daniel cried out, it is I, Lord. He opened up the door and let Daniel out in the same king that threw Daniel in, took Daniel's accusers and threw him into the same position and the same environment Daniel was in all night. And it wasn't two minutes before their bones were being crushed by the same lions that didn't touch Daniel all night. What am I saying? There's some things that you have been through and that you're going through right now that you have survived through. And if it was anybody else, they would have been crushed and destroyed a long time ago. But it's the grace of God, the mercies of God that's on your life. If you understood how much grace is on your life, if you understood the favor of God that's on your life, if you really knew how many times that the enemy could have cut you off, but the hand of, let's tell the truth, if you really remembered how many times you gave up, but grace wouldn't let you give up. How many times you messed up, and I messed up, but God looked beyond our faults, and he saw our need to survive and to get through. I thank God for the resilience of God that put a spirit of living inside of me. Oh, calm down. We must understand that this is not a party's time. This is not a party season. 
This is not this is not a this is not even a celebratory time. This is a time that we must be resilient. We must be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It was a time when I was a young man and the children, I was multiplying. Amen. I was multiplying. We had kids and kids and kids and go over to God. The landlord at the apartment complex told me I was past the occupancy rate. We couldn't stay in the apartment no more. We had to move. And the, check this out. The pressure of growth made me look at something I normally wasn't even going to look at. See, sometimes your pressure that, oh, I'm shifting to another manifestation. The pressure that you're under is really a sign of your growth. Lord have mercy. If you're too comfortable, the truth is you're probably not growing. But when a person is growing in the things of God and growing as an individual, it pushes you out of the normality of your position. That normal, that little apartment was big enough for me to conceive in, but not big enough for me to live in. Come on, come on. There are some positions and some times of your life, sometimes even some relationships. There's some people that you used to run with, amen. You could run with them at one season of your life, but you have grown past them now and you don't have anything in common anymore because it's not that you're not the same silly person you were back then it's that you have grown past that and matured and now the things that you used to connect with those people with you can't connect with them no more because you have grown it's not that you're better than they are you just grew when they decided to stay where they were and so the landlord says, you've been a good tenant. You know, I paid my rent on time. We were good tenants and everything. But when we told them about the next baby coming, they said, you have to move. See, moving, being forced out of a place that you're comfortable in is not necessarily a bad thing. Because being forced out of the apartment made me look for a house. And at 24 and a half years old, amen, I was content. I was content with paying rent when God wanted me to own. Come on, somebody. And I said, well, I, th there's no apartments, amen, that can house the size of my family. So it made me look for a house. Lord have mercy. In other words, there's some things going on in your life right now that's making you look in another direction. And God is saying, I'm using the pressure of your life. Oh, I'm preaching good right now. I'm using the pressure of your life to make you look in an area you would never even look at. And I'm using it to advance you to your next level. We talk about increase. We talk about manifestation. We talk about next level. But do you understand it's the pressure that brings forth the birthing in that situation? You can't have a baby without pressure. It's the pressure that allows the baby to come forth. Without that pressure, nothing's going to be birthed. And right now, some of you and some, even myself, right now, we're under pressure. But I'm going to call it holy pressure. Come on, let's, let's deem it holy pressure. Because sometimes when things make us uncomfortable, we immediately put it into an evil category. We, we immediately give Satan the credit. But me outgrowing my apartment wasn't evil. It was a necessity, amen, that now pushed me into now experiencing my capacity had grown. I needed a greater capacity, and I could not live. And if it, check this out, check this out. God was using the landlord because I would have lived in that apartment overcrowded. 
Come on, somebody. Because I was comfortable with the rent. Come on. I was comfortable, amen, living where I was living. But God sometimes is not comfortable with the things that we're comfortable with. So he'll, he'll allow a landlord to put exterior pressure on our interior comfortability to push us past so we can experience our true, our true potential. God is challenging us in this season. He's saying, I love you and I know you love me, but I'm not getting the full potential out of you. So I'm going to allow some external pressure to come upon your life so I can get something greater out of you that you're not giving willingly. Lord have mercy. The we, what we call it, y'all? We call it holy, holy pressure. Holy pressure is upon the body of Christ right now. We have all have to go through this metamorphosis. We are all having to change our norm. We're not able to have service like we want to. We're not able to mingle. We're not able to have our little gospel concerts. We're not able to have our little dinners. Um, and we're not able to fellowship like we want to. We have been pushed. We have been pressed. But there has to be a resilience for the body of Christ to stay together. There has to be a resilience of my brothers and sisters to maintain what God has already promised you to be. And even though it's uncomfortable, it's still possible. You and I must maintain this resilient stance that know that no matter what goes on, I'm going to maintain my faith in God. I'm going to maintain, amen, my focus. I'm not going to let my brain, my mind, I'm not going to allow this to drive me crazy. You're going to have to have a strong mind. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power and love. And what's the last one? In a sound mind. I find myself in the mornings early, um, three and four o'clock in the morning, while you're snoring. I, I find myself, I'm training, I'm training, I'm training my mind. I'm taking that time to train my mind. I'm, train, I'm training my mind. I'm training my mind to, to focus and to stay focused. Uh, uh, sometimes I'm in scripture, sometimes I'm praying, but sometimes I'm just trying to control what my thought life is. Because I don't know about you, but have you ever had crazy thoughts? Have you, you're sitting in the middle of your work day and this crazy thought shoots by you. And you know what? The truth I'm learning is, is that some of these thoughts are unauthorized. And because we have not trained the muscle of our minds to be able to filter the proper thoughts, we allow ourselves to get distracted in these challenging moments with kind of, sometimes we panic, sometimes we get fretful, sometimes we have this doomsday situation, nothing happened, there's been no bad news, it's just a thought that runs through your mind that distracts you from your purpose and I'm training my mind mind. I'm training my thought life. I got Jesus. I got the Holy Ghost, but I still got to train my mind because the, I, I got I to gotta bring every thought uh, under subjection. I got I to gotta train myself that when tragedy and situation come, I've, I've had deaths in the family. I have deaths in the church. I got to train my mind not to panic. Amen. Things are going on. You watch the news and if you don't, if you listen to what the news says, it's normal for you to panic. You don't know what's going on. You got to train your mind. You got to you got you got you got to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. If you study Jesus in the word of God, nothing caused him to panic. The disciples came in panic to him. Master, the ship is getting ready to sink. Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the ship, and they come and shake him awake, scared to death because they were panicking. They couldn't control their thoughts. 
Panic is an uncontrolled thought of fear and destruction. You've already played it out where it's your demise. You've already prophesied a bad ending, even though it's not even like that. But Jesus was, was, was quiet. He gets up from his sleep and he rebukes the storm and the storm goes and storm stops and they look at each other and say, what kind of man is this that's able to keep his cool in the midst of a panicking situation? Paul teaches us that when he was in a prisoner, amen, and every of the storm came to them, he told the centurion, as long as everybody stays in the boat, amen, no one will be lost because Paul had a relationship with God. But even greater than the relationship with God, Paul understood how to keep his wits about him. He understood how to keep a calm mind. He understood how to control his thoughts. And in this season that we're going through some challenging moments, you got to have a sound mind. Glory to God. You have to be able to control your thoughts. You've got to be able to control your mentality. You've got to be able to control your passions. You can't allow your flesh to take over in this season and cause this 911 panic attack. We don't have time to run around talking about the sky is falling. We've got to be a people that is steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. We've got to keep this mind intact. Lord have mercy. We have to be a resilient people. Whew. I ain't crazy. I'm not crazy. It's just something about some people in this season. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just trying to be um, I'm talking from the realm of the spirit. Flesh will make you feel. I don't know about you. When I was younger, when I was young, when I was a kid, I can remember. We lived in uh, this place up in the, in the hills, up in Pali Drummond, Delaware. We had these mountains. We thought they were mountains. I mean, it was a mountain for Delaware. <laughs> and they had these vines that were on the, on the, on the, on the, on the big trees. And as a 10-year-old, 8, 9-year-old, whatever I was, we would play Tarzan. And we would jump from a completely good, we would jump off the cliff and hold on to the vine and swing across the valley or the creek down below. And then we would swing back and it was, it was exciting. And then when the thrill wasn't enough, we, we stepped it up a notch. We would swing down and I would jump off the vine onto the tree. And then we would play rescue. And then the vine would go back and then my boy would swing out and come get me. And two of us would swing back on the same vine. See, when we're young, our mortality is insignificant. We don't even, we've never felt pain at that age. We've, we've never, we never, we don't even know what death looks like. We haven't, at that age, you ain't even been to a funeral yet. You, you never experienced that. So you have this zealousness in this, in this, in this complete, your mind has no apprehension of what danger can be. Now, at 53 years old, hey amen, I ain't getting on that vine because I've been through life enough that I know what could happen to me and the danger of that action. Are you hearing me, somebody? And I think that what it is is that people had this mortality kind of mindset before this pandemic hit, that they had this kind of immortality mindset that, you know, 
nothing's going to happen to them. But now 200,000 people have left this earth because of this pandemic, they say. And now you can actually see yourself dying. You can see yourself, amen, dying and being dead, amen. And now it has created another thought in your mind. And that fear and that intimidation has consumed people. But you must understand, let's be real up in here, amen, the thought. The, I could have died when I was 10 swinging on that vine. I just didn't have the knowledge of the danger I put myself in. And the truth of the matter it is, amen, these sicknesses and diseases have always been here. But some kind of way, by the grace of God, you have gone through and God has sustained your life. And even though you're more aware of your mortality now, we must be able to maintain the faith that we have in God. That the same God that kept me at 10, the same God that kept me at 10 swinging on a vine is the same God that kept me at 20 years old when I was driving 100 miles an hour in a 98, amen, Oldsmobile down the road because I didn't have no idea at 16, amen, what kind of damage I could do if I ran off the road or hit somebody else. The crazy stuff we did when we didn't know. Glory to God. And now, and now we are in this pandemic and now, amen, the threat of life. I mean, but that's why we preached about Daniel because he was in a threat of life. That's why we preached about the Hebrew boys because they're, they were in a threat of life. That's why we preached about Joseph because he was in a threat of life and how they were resilient and endured through it all and still got God the glory. And now the question that I leave the church is what will they be saying about the 2020 church? 50 years from now? Will they be preaching about, will they be talking about the Latter-day Saints of 2020 and how we were resilient and still upheld the bloodstained banner, that we were resilient and then we did, that we didn't walk away from God when it looks like nothing was going to work out for us. We were resilient unto God, even when things didn't look like they were going our way, but we, stayed, we, 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 stayed, we stayed steadfast before the Lord. I believe that there's an amazing, I believe God left us here in 2020 because we are the church that he wanted to be here. He wanted us to be here to represent him and to let the world know that we have the faith that can get us through the impossibility. And if you look over your life and you look through the seasons of your life, there was every season of your life, there was a moment or a situation that you weren't supposed to survive. But the hand of God brought you through. Even when you weren't saved, God was still Pushing you through your destiny. I know my time is up. Oh, 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 it's about up. The hand of God is here and challenging you, challenging me. Be resilient. I, I, I encourage you. Be, be resilient. I encourage you, be steadfast, unmovable. I encourage you that even, check this out, even, this is my last little story, I, I, hope, I hope I promise. Amen. Even when Abraham was promised, See, some of us are challenged right now because, you know what, preachers like me all over this world promised you a great prophecy of 2020. Oh, 2020, 2020, year of vision. Well, and let's tell the truth. Nobody lied. We truly, come on, we truly need vision this year. 2020, the year of vision. You, you know why you need vision? Because there's nothing to see. You got to be able to see what God is showing you because there's nothing aesthetically to see that would encourage you or give you hope. That's why God says you need to have vision 
Because without vision, people perish. And right now, you need to understand that this is a season that you cannot walk aesthetically by the retina of your vision. You must walk by the faith of the word of God and the promises of God that are upon your life. 2020 is the year of vision. Let me declare that 2020 is the beginning of a decade of vision. Can I talk shit for a minute on business for a second? Those who have vision in this season are going to become millionaires. And those who look at the environment, if you look at the, if you look at the clouds and you look at the moon, if you, look at the, if, you, if you listen to what you see, you're going to shut your business down. You're going to make bad decisions. You're going to lose everything because if you go by what you see and by the reports that are on CNN, you're going to make bad decisions. This is a season that you have to be a visionary. You have to look beyond the pandemic and see what do people need? What is the thing that's going to come forth? What stock right now can I need to buy that nobody's thinking about that's going to become big? It's right now people with vision are going to become multi-million and billionaires in the business sector because they're not they're not reacting to the pandemic they're preparing for prosperity the question is are you reacting to the pandemic are you you understanding that in the midst of this pandemic there's a season of prosperity that's going to follow if you are properly prepared oh my Holy Spirit is here. He's, he's challenging me. He's pushing me because there has to be a resilience. Even in my own business, I'm being challenged. I have people calling me about this, that, and the other. And, and I'm, I'm opening up other states of my licenses. I'm, I'm, a, I'm putting all this money into this. Put, and right now, if you look at it, it's like, oh, wow, people losing their jobs. You know, businesses are shutting down. Why would you expand your mortgage business? Why would you put more money into it? Why don't you just wait to see what happens? See, I encourage you. I'm talking to believers right now. And there's a spirit that's trying to nullify your potential by telling you, wait to see what happens. We are not the people that wait to see what happens. Amen. We we move by faith. We move by the unction of God. We don't wait for the world to speak to us. We speak to the world. We speak to the mountain and mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. You sitting on the sideline. I'm going to see what this mountain's going to do. Let's see if this mountain's going to move by itself. Nah, the mountain ain't never going to move. You got to speak to that mountain and understand that we have authority over everything that's in your way. You can speak to that mountain and if you, if that water's in your way, walk on the water. Come on somebody. You got to do what you got to do in this season to believe some of you are waiting and seeing and you're going to wait and see your opportunity go right by. I speak it to you prophetically by the Holy Ghost. Wait and see. It's a demon. Wait and see is a spirit of error. Wait and see. People are in your ear. You got this unction. You got this fire in your belly. You got this, this thing that won't even let you sleep. You got this desire to do something. And the, and, the, and the enemy is in your ear saying, wait and see. Then why is your stomach burning even harder? Why is your passion? Why do you have all these ideals? Why do you see it happening? Why do you see it? Why do you envision it? If God didn't want you to see it, he would block it from you. Why is the enemy on you so much to calm you down because they're the fire a potential that god wants to release through your belly the devil only only attack he can say to you is wait and see wait and see what wait and see what wait and see what what can give you guidance greater than the holy spirit 
What's going to come on the newscast that gives you a comfortability? Because by the time it comes on the news, the, the window's already going to be closed. Don't buy a stock once it shows up on, on, on the watch list. Everybody that's going to make money has already bought it. You got to buy the stock before it gets public. Come on, somebody. You got to buy it while it's low so when it gets high, you'll get your profit. See, too many people buying stock when it's apex. You don't buy stock at its apex. You buy it when it's low. Come on, somebody. You got to understand we cannot afford. I got to close now. We cannot afford to be reactionary saints in this season. We're going to have to be progressive Amen. Saints that move first. Come on. There's an anointing that's getting ready to move in you, your spirit. There's an anointing moving in this church. God says, I want you to have a move first anointing. I want you to be the first. I want you to be the head and not the tail. I want you to be above only and not beneath. I need you to understand. I'm going to give you inside information so that you can move first. Stop reacting to other people. Amen. Understand that I want you to be the pioneer. I want you to be the forerunner. I want you to be the first as ever done it. I'm going to anoint you to be the first to do it. So I challenge you to rebuke that spirit of wait and see and rise up. Rise up and believe God. I need you to get a childlike faith. Think about it. When I was a child, I had no fears. I was willing to jump on that vine and swing just for the fun of it. See, sometimes our experiences hinder us from our abilities to move forward. Sometimes the pain of our past cripples us from pressing into the season of our future. I got to go. It's time. And I encourage you on today that this is a time and a season for the church and the people of God to be resilient. Don't be afraid. Be resilient. I want you to press toward the mark of a high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Everybody stand. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we honor you on today, and we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for that prophetic release on today. We, Father, we, we are here. We're here today because we need to have a sound mind in this season. We're not ignoring the pandemic. We're not ignoring the threat that's going on around us. But the Bible makes it very clear, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. And I understand that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Lord, I thank you for the angels of the Lord. I thank you for goodness and mercy that will follow me all the days of my life. I thank you for the angels of the Lord that are camp around about us. I thank you. I thank you. And I believe, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to meditate. David said, I meditate on the Lord day and night. David meditated because he had to learn how to control, control his thought life. It is so imperative in this season that we cast down every vain imagination, that we bring every thought under the obedience of Christ, that we be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, that we be resilient in all that God is calling us to do. And finally, let us be the people that make the first step let us not be trapped by the spirit of watch and see. Let us be a people that understand that this is a season of great wealth and prosperity and increase to those that look beyond the pandemic and see the future 
Lord, let this 2020 truly be a year of vision for your people. God, we honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise and honor in the house of God on today. We honor him.